This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. Well, last week we were talking about extraordinary. And I'd like to continue along that line a little bit here tonight. And extraordinary that I'm talking about is because we all are pretty, pretty ordinary. And ordinary with God becomes extraordinary. The, the, the deal is with God. With God, he changes things phenomenally. Um, so just a tiny bit of a, a review uh, on, uh, there's just so much we talked about last week, we couldn't get to all of it, but just a tiny bit of a review. It says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20, it says, In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver. In a wealthy home. And some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions. And we talked about that, you know, Christmas and Easter and Thanksgiving and birthdays and holidays and, you know, graduations and for things like that. He says here, the expensive utensils are used for special occasions and the cheap, ordinary, the cheap, ordinary ones are for everyday use. That's the ones you use 365 days out of the year, the ordinary utensils. And I think we all use the ordinary utensils. Uh, anyhow, he goes on there, he says, in verse 21, it says, and if you keep yourself pure, you know, if you, 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 you've been washed. And the Bible tells us we've been washed in the blood, and he tells us that his, the washing of the water of the word, and he tells us confessing our sins, and that washes us and cleanses us. And, uh, you know, hiding his word in our heart that we would not sin against God and all. But he says, if you keep, and this is your responsibility, if you keep yourself pure, you, show me, show me you, you will be a utensil God can use for his purpose if you keep yourself pure. Keep yourself clean. Just like you go over there to the, uh, what's that little rack you sit beside the sink? A dish drainer. A dish drainer? drainer? What did I call it last week? A strainer. A strainer. It's not a strainer, it's a drainer, okay? So if you wash my hands some dishes and you put them in that little thing and you know they're clean and you go from there and you put them back into the cupboard and, and you know they're clean and you take them out of a dishwasher and you put them in your cupboard there and you know they're clean and if, if you only got dishes in the sink and it's got like a milky film down in it or Something worse than that, you, you go to the cheaper cups, like the paper cups and things like that. And, and the Bible tells us here, if you keep yourself pure, you will be a utensil that God can use for his purpose. For his purpose. And he has got a purpose for every man woman, boy, and girl in this room, and those of you who are watching or listening, wherever you might be, God has a purpose. It's his purpose. He created you. He's got a purpose for you, and you can make your life count for something fantastic if you keep yourself pure because you're not going to grab a, a dirty 
cup or a dirty, filthy old plate just got gravy that's been on it for like two weeks and it's in your sink, you're not going to pull that out. And... No. No, it's, it's not pure. It's not clean. And the Bible says if you keep yourself pure, you will be a utensil God can use for his purpose. Your life will be clean and you will be ready. Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. That's 100%. That's 100 God's on the move doing all kinds of things and God will use you if you're ready because how many times do you get a drink of something in a day? A lot. A lot. And you should. You should stay hydrated, okay? Uh, I'm after my, my wife and my mom. and Y'all stay hydrated. You should drink because most of your body is water. And you need some water in there to get safe, good and healthy. Anyhow, God's word here, he says, I mean, once again, if you keep yourself pure, you will, you will be a utensil God can use for his purpose. Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use you for, what's that say? Every good work. He'll use you for every good work. He, he's looking on a daily basis. You're going to turn here, you're going to talk to this person, you're going to talk, you run across people's path and sometimes you don't recognize that harvest is white there and and if we were sensitive and asking God to lead us and guide us, just like we end up chatting, well, hey, how you doing it? Well, I'm not doing so good. You go, oh, what's going on? And you end up having an opportunity to pray for them. How am I doing over here? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to stay right here, you know. This is the safest spot, and I'm behind a bulletproof glass and everything, you know. It's really just germ-proof, okay? But, uh, you know, last week I was talking about how we could relate to some appliances, or not appliances, but some things that we have almost in every house. And I, I forgot them. Y'all know what this is? The thermostat that we ripped off the wall somewhere because I left mine in my bag at home. Well, I'm not going to tell you where it came from either, you know. Oh. Well, Justin took it off for me, and he, he'll help me get it back on afterwards. But you understand, a thermostat, a thermostat is a, a wonderful, how many of y'all have a thermostat? How many of you glad you got one last night? Yes. <laughs> and it was probably turned way up, you know. It was 10 degrees in my house when I got up this morning, you know. And a, a thermostat is active. And a thermostat is fantastic, and it changes things. And when it's cold in your house, you just, the thermostat changes that temperature from 32, you know, to 78 or whatever it is that you're liking at. A thermostat is active. And see, God wants you to be. He wants you to be. He wants you to be a thermostat. Now, because I left my stuff at home, I actually had my backpack in, in the car there. And I have this nice little whistle. has a little magnifying glass on it. has a compass on it. And it has a thermometer on the back. Now, thermometer is cool. 
but it don't change nothing. And you have a great big fancy ones, you know. The mom after, if, when we go on the mountain, which we haven't been in a little while, when we go on the mountain, the thermometer tells me the condition of all the rocks and all the trees and the air. And the thermometer, it just becomes like everything around it. It just becomes just like it. It don't change nothing. The thermostat changes things. And God is calling you not to just be a thermometer, you just become like everybody else. But God has called you to be a thermostat to change things. That's, that's what he wants. And he wants to use you. And all we got to do is stay clean. And he'll use you to change things in this world in which we live. Little old youth, little old me, little old us can change things when we're with God. And with God, the ordinary becomes extraordinary. That's just the way it is. And listen to what it says. And we're just about done with our review. <laughs> Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Don't copy the behavior. Don't have the same behavior our secular world has. Uh, don't do what their customs tell you to do. You know, don't be conformed. Don't be like everybody else. Don't, that's, a, that's a thermometer. Just like, I'm just going to be like everybody. I'm, if, the, if the room is 40 degrees, I'm going to become 40 degrees. Don't, don't take everybody else's spiritual temperature. Don't, don't become like them. You know, if their spiritual temperature is minus 75, you know, don't let your spiritual temperature be minus 75. That's what a thermometer will do, be a thermostat. And a thermostat always, if it's connected... Now, truth of it is, this one is not connected. But when we reconnect it to the wire, we got power. And when you and I are connected to God, we're the thermostat, and we got power to change things. That's what he tells us. Let's, let's read the whole verse. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. By changing... Let God transform, which means change you, by changing the way you think. And right here is how he does it. I was listening to some scripture before I came out. I read my Bible, but I often just use my cell phone and I read it there, or I hit play, and I play it, and I read it, and I listen to it at the same time. It's so inspiring. It's so faith-building. You know, faith comes by hearing, hearing God's word. And it enables you... To become a thermostat. And you change things in this world around you. Okay, let's see it one more time. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do. Does anybody here want to know what God wants you to do? Yes, definitely. He says here, you know, let God transform you. Let, let God change. Transform means change. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. That's why we study the Bible. We read it. We hear it. And it brings about a change in us. And as we're hearing God's word, we will know. If, if you're going to the master, the creator, and here's the manufacturer's handbook, and then you will know what God's will for you, what he created you for. You will know it. He says here, 
Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. What's that word? Then. Then. If you let God change you by, you know, transforming by changing the way you think, then you will know what God wants you to do. You mean, if, if we spend time in God's word, we will know what he wants us to do. That's right. You will. No, that's a promise from the word of God. But we got to let God do it because we go, no, I'm just going to think my own thoughts. I'm just going to read my own junk. I'm just going to do this and this, but I, I don't need you in my life. You've probably never discovered what God wants you to do. Oh, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect His will really is. I tell you what, God's will is fantastic and is awesome. Oh, and I forgot to make an announcement. Is it okay if I make an announcement right now? Sure, now's a good time. How many of y'all appreciate our coffee team for having us a cup of coffee? Now, Bernie is over the area ministry. And a lot of times we have lots of people helping out. And during the COVID thing, you know, we got a lot of empty seats. But they're at home watching on television. You know that. And they tell us that. And off, but at the same time, I had the pleasure. I had the pleasure. Thank you, Bernie. I had the pleasure of bringing the coffee upstairs. I did that, okay? And it was, you're very welcome. And I meant to go get a cup of coffee and have it up here and hold it and sip it and do my promotion. But that's okay. I'll get it later or tomorrow, you know. But we really genuinely could use some help in our coffee ministry because Bernie's running up and down and up and down and up. And, and all it requires is you help make the coffee. And you help serve it. That's it. She did it all by herself last week. And yeah. maybe she is this weekend too. Oh, she did it all by herself because I helped her. That's right. You did help her. Hey. And, and also, I salted the parking lot and all the sidewalks and all the stairs. Good. So if you don't like the salt that's out there, you blame it on me. It's green salt. That's your favorite color. Yeah, but not with salt. Mm. And I should have wore gloves because it kind of like tried my hands all out. Isn't that terrible? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I feel the same way. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> you're, you're, you're welcome. Anyhow, I'm not looking for help to do the salt. And I'm not looking for help plowing the back parking lot. I'm, not looking, for, I'm looking for help for the coffee ministry. That's what we're looking for. So if any of you, let's see, where's Bernie at? She's back there. Would y'all look around at the lady back here waving her hand at you? That's Bernie. She's been making the coffee forever. Do you grow coffee at your house? I do not. You don't? Okay. I didn't think so. Uh, but we could, so if, if you want to help us out, help make it or help serve it, it would be a real blessing to everybody here because everybody likes coffee. You know, so. And you do that by filling out a surf. A first serve. Got to get it right. A first okay. serve. They're back at the back and speak to Bernie. I agree. Okay. All right. So let's move forward here. Uh, Exodus chapter 3 verse 16. Now go and call together all the leaders of Israel. Tell them the Lord, the God of, the ans of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob 
appeared to me in a burning bush. He said, you can be sure that I am watching over you. Now this is God talking to who? Moses. To Moses. When Moses is getting ready to lead all the Israelites who were slaves down in Egypt, and, and God's telling Moses, you go down there and you lead them out, you know. And also God's talking to Moses here. And he said, you can be sure that I am watching over you and have seen what is happening to you in Egypt. I promise to rescue you from the oppression of the Egyptians. You think God still rescues us from other kinds of oppression and problems in this day and time? Yes. yes. You don't think he does? He does. Absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he shows no favoritism. You know, you're all his favorite. How many of you could say that about your own kids? Hey, they're all my favorite. Yeah. You know? They're all your favorite. You understand if you're a parent, you know? Anyhow, he says, I promise to rescue you from the oppression of the Egyptians. I will lead you to the land now occupied by the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. And it was that way, and you understand, we won't talk about it long, but if it flows with milk, it means that all the animals are giving birth because that's what triggers them to start allowing their milk to flow. They got to give birth first. So they had all kinds of wildlife there, and it says it flows with honey. And if it was flowing for, with honey, that means there's lots of bees there. And bees gather all the pollen and all the nectar and all that stuff from what? Flowers. Vegetable flowers, fruit flowers. So to have honey, a lot of honey, means you got lots of vegetables and lots of, of fruit. And to have milk, you got lots of animals. So it's a very prosperous land. And he said that, where, where was, we just read that? A land that's flowing with milk and honey. It's a very prosperous land. Now, Moses said, I want you, I mean, God said to Moses, I want you to be a thermostat. I want you to change things is what he was telling us. You know, you, you become very active and, and, and be connected, be connected with God. And then you have the power to change things, to, to truly be a, a thermostat, you know. And Joshua and Caleb, if you read about them, they were uh, world changers as well. You know, they, they genuinely are. And men and women who just believe God and obey God and trust God, they're a thermostat. You are a thermostat, and God will use you. He, he's ready, and, and just stay clean, and he will use you in awesome, fantastic, amazing ways. Now, have you ever heard of John Spurgeon? Not Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon was a very godly pastor, teacher, phenomenal. And in your Christian history, you'll learn a whole lot about Charles Spurgeon. But have you ever heard of John Spurgeon? No. Nope. Good, gotcha. Well, John Spurgeon was the son of a pastor. And he was a pastor himself, and he had a little boy named Charles Spurgeon. So we've, if you know any Spurgeon, you would know Charles Spurgeon, phenomenal man of God in, in years gone by. 
But we don't know anything about his daddy. You know? He's unknown, if not for Charles. See, moms and dads, you can raise up thermostats. You can raise up sons and daughters who will change this world. That's right. History makers. World changers. You can. You, you don't know John Spurgeon. You probably might know Charles Spurgeon. But if it wasn't for John Spurgeon, and I don't even know what his daddy's name was who raised him up to be a thermostat. Now, we're not perfect, but God with us, he helps us to do all those kinds of things. And you, you pray and you, you follow God and you, you do what God showed you to do. Anyhow, let's, let's move on here. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 says, And again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a trip. He called together his servants and gave them... His servants. He called his servants. And these were just ordinary servants. Nothing spectacular. They were just servants. He called his servants. He called together his servants and gave them money to invest for him while he was gone. He gave five bags of gold to one. Oh, let me see if I got some bags of gold. <laughs> got a bag of gold here. What? Let's see. It's one, two, three. How many did he give him? Five. Four. He gave five bags of gold to one. Man. I do have gold in here for real. It's kind I'm of, not teasing. It's kind of clunky sounding gold though. But it is gold. Real gold is very heavy and dense <laughs> and it's kind of clunky. Can I help it if it's got chocolate on the inside of it? You know? <laughs> oh, y'all heard of that. Okay, there's five bags of gold. Okay? So he gave five bags of gold to one, two bags of gold oh, to another. Hold on. Let me see. Whoops, here's my microphone. Okay. Two bags of gold to another and one bag of gold to the last. Hold on. And he gave one bag of gold to the last one. Okay. Now where are we at? I'm trying to figure where I was at there. Right here. Okay. He gave one bag of gold to the last one. Three servants, right? Yeah. Dividing it in proportion to their abilities. You, you think God knows what your ability and my ability? Yes, he gave it. You, know, you think he knows what these folks' abilities are? Yep. You think he knows that Bernie has the ability to make awesome coffee yes. and to serve it? Yes. She does. That's awesome. Yeah. And each one of us have certain abilities, and God gives us all opportunities to serve in the area where it says he, uh, he was dividing it in proportion to their abilities and then left on his trip. Now listen to what it says in the uh, book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 6. God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. Now how many of you know that you have the ability to do certain things well? Yes. You, you may not have all the abilities, 
but there are certain things you do well. And, and, and the Bible says he's given us gifts and talents because he knows what we can do well. And the thing of it is, we may not know what it is yet, but he'll give us opportunity and we go, oh, I love that. That is fantastic. I never knew I could. But God knows. That's what he says right here. He was dividing the gold up proportion to their abilities and he left on this ship. And there in Romans it says, God has given each of us the ability to do certain things. How? Well. Well. Every one of you have the ability to do certain things. To do certain things. There's an S on that. That's plural. Mm -hmm. Certain things well. Hmm. That's awesome. And, and God wants you to be a thermostat. He wants you to change this world that you're in. And not to be changed by the world and be a thermometer and just become like everybody else is, you know. But he wants you to change the things that's in this world because he knows what you can do well, you know. Back to Matthew chapter 25, now verse 16. It says, the servant who received the five bags of gold right here. began immediately to invest the money and soon doubled it. Wow, he was a thermostat, you know. <laughs> he was changing things. You know, he changed five bags of gold into ten bags of gold. Uh, it was a thermostat, and thermostat changes things. Verse 17, the servant with two bags of gold also went right to work and doubled the money. Hmm. He was a thermostat, and he also was changing things. He started off with how many? Two. And how many did he end up with? Four. He ended up with four. He changed things because he's a thermostat. And he did what, you know, his master told him to do. To invest it because he believed that he had the ability to do certain things well. But the servant who received the one bag of gold dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money for safekeeping. I meant to bring a shovel, but I forgot. I was just going to dig a hole in the wood up here and hide it. We could open the baptismal tank and hide it under there, I reckon, you know. But he just dug a hole. He dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money for safe keeping. He was not a thermostat. He was a thermometer. He just became like everybody else in the ground and everything around. It's like, you know, no change is coming by me. Mm -mm. I'm just going to hide it because I might lose it and my master might be upset. He wasn't willing to take a risk. So he dug a hole and threw it in there. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of gold said, Sir, you gave me five bags of gold to invest. And he was so excited to talk to his master. He was excited. He really was excited because he did what the master told him to do. Sir! Yes, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> you gave me five bags of gold to invest and I have doubled the amount. Wow. Is that more exciting? Yes, that's awesome. He was a thermostat. He changed, it. He changed five bags of gold into 10 bags of gold. He invested probably a noble cause. I mean, there are things that we have to buy that we buy and we're glad they're available to us. You know, we're and glad 
Somebody invested in those things, you know. I mean, you're glad that somebody, there's a service station out there so you can buy some, you know, gas or diesel for your car, right? <laughs> you know? So, so somebody made an investment. Here, this guy was so excited, he couldn't hardly wait to tell his master about that. Now, where was we at there? Mm-hmm. And the master was full of praise. Well done, my good and famous servant. Oh, that was something. No. He was so famous. No, not famous. Faithful. Are you, are you sure? Yep. I mean, let me see. They said it. And well done, <laughs> my good and faithful servant. Oh, you're right. Wow. Our business is to be faithful. Faithful, not famous. Nobody else may know. You be faithful to God. And you will hear him say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Then what does he say? You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Many more, because I know that you can do and use what I have given you. Let's celebrate together. The master said, let's celebrate together. Can you imagine our master, you know, saying the same about us? And let's celebrate when we've invested what almighty God, the talents and the gifts and all that he has given unto us. Well done, my good and not famous, my good and faithful servant. And if, if God chooses to make you famous, that's his business. Our business is to be faithful, like a thermostat. And God just, we're connected to him. His power flows to us. And we change things for the better. We change things for the better as he is directing us and instructing us. That's just the way it is, you know. And thermostats are often unseen. Often, not all the time, but lots of times you don't see thermostats. We have a thermostat in our house. And we've, we've got a high ceiling in one of the rooms of our house. <laughs> and I'm not telling you, it's just a high ceiling. And it's probably, what do you think, it's about 18 foot high in this one ceiling. Yeah. It was made around 63, built in 1963. It was an addition to this house. And there's a thermostat. When people come over, sometimes I'll go out of the room and say, oh, would you mind turning the thermostat up? It's like 18 foot in the air. Why is it up there? When we get home, could you turn it up for me? <laughs> the people who built the house, they got three vents up there. And from the little gas fireplace that we have, all the heat and from the furnace, all the heat goes to the peak. And they have these three vents there, controlled by that thermostat, and it will suck hot air from the peak. It's just been wasted. And it will blow it into the three bedrooms in our house. Nice. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. No, not cool. Warm. That's <laughs> <laughs> all right. It is cool. But I've never touched the thermostat, you know. But thermostats are not always visible. You know, and we may do things that we're not famous and nobody even knows it. But you will hear the Almighty God say, well My faithful servant, let's celebrate together. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. But uh, in Exodus chapter 3, verse 19, going back to Moses, but I know 
that the king of Egypt will not let you go except under heavy pressure. God is saying that to him. Yeah. And, and, and can God apply pressure? Oh, yes, he can. And he applied some pressure to the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt down there. He surely did. Where were you at? Right here. Okay. So I will reach out and strike at the heart of Egypt with all kinds of miracles. And he did some miracles down in Egypt. Then at last, he will let you go. And the, the first step was they will go out and sacrifice and worship God for about three days. But ultimately... They were going into the promised land, which they ultimately did. And then at last, he will let you go. And I will see to it that the Egyptians treat you well. They will load you down with gifts so you will not leave empty-handed. And the, the women gave all the other women golden earrings and all their jewelry. And they gave all kinds of clothes for their kids and all as they were leaving and God worked all that into their heart, you know. Oh, to God that we would become a thermostat. That we would just obey and trust Almighty God. And he would use us to change this whole world. And we would make history, you know, because we're obedient and we're trusting what he wants us to do. You know, now, if you think about it, hmm, a thermostat. Changing the temperature around us. You, you, you think it might be possible if we were the thermostat that God wanted us to be, that there might be some changes in our family? Sure, yeah. You think it might be some changes in our marriage? Yes. Yeah. For the better? You think there might be some changes in our, our business? Mm -hmm. You think there might be some changes in our community? When we become a thermostat and we obey and we trust Almighty God, that's what I'm talking about. And when you think about it, Jesus said about you and me, He says, You are, I'm not going to shine this in your eyes, okay? I'll shine it up there. Just really quick. Jesus said, You are the light of the world. Does the light change anything? The sun, when it shines in the uh, summertime, that light makes things grow, does it not? Like a thermostat. It changes things. It genuinely does. And then, although, you know, Jesus said, you are the light of the, the world. And he also said, you are the salt. There's salt falling in there. Yes, there is. You are the salt of the earth. Now, does salt change anything? Yes. Well, I'll tell you what. I didn't throw three buckets of this stuff out around here before you got here. This is a green salt I was talking about. It changes things. You could have been slipping and falling and getting hurt. You know, when you came in, my microphone keeps falling off here. But we put salt down and it melts all the ice. Gives you traction to your feet and to your tires and all. So it does change things. And he says, you're the light of the world. He says, you're the salt of the earth. Uh, salt, it melts ice. 
also salt preserve sayings. I don't know if y'all have them up here, but down south we have what they call a country ham. It's salt cured. You don't have to refrigerate it. But that's the way the old timers preserved some of their meats and things like that. And that's the way you make sauerkraut with a brine. It's salty water. And how many of you, your doctor may tell you not to take too much of it, but how many of you enjoy a little bit of salt on your food when you're cooking? Mm -hmm. I saw some of you going like, don't tell on me, okay? <laughs> so you understand there are benefits for salt and there are benefits for light, you know? Now, Christians who do no good, they just kind of live in the salt shaker. They live there, they just stay there. Think about it for a moment. That's just where they are. That's just where they're at. Now, there's a strange sign that greets visitors in Vienna, Austria. And it's translated from German. It says, welcome to Vienna, where the salt is in the salt shaker. It means they don't, in that particular area, that means they didn't have no snow. Salt's just in the salt shaker. We don't put it on the roads and things like that. Do you think God wants us just to be in a salt shaker? No. How many of want, you guys want to have a salt shaker in your house and keep your salt in it and never let it out? No. Do you want to put some? You know what? Have you ever made homemade ice cream? Yeah. You got to put some salt on the ice to make your ice cream maker work. Is that right? Mm -hmm. And it, it's a wonderful thing for your food and to preserve things. It enhances the flavor. It surely does. <laughs> I wanted to lick it, you know. I grew up working on a farm and I would knock a chip off of the salt block that the cows eat and I would suck on it. <laughs> the only reason you're going, oh, because you never tried it. <laughs> after the cows had licked it? I don't care. <laughs> I've eaten cows too, you know what I'm saying? They are good with salt on. Yeah, I know, exactly. Anyhow, that's crazy. I don't even know how I get talking about that at all. But Me neither. You know, um, let's, let's read this verse right Acts here. Acts chapter 17, verse 6 says, Paul and Silas have turned the rest of the world upside down. Paul and Silas were thermostats. And the scripture says they turned the rest of the world upside down. Now, really accurately, they turned the rest of the world right side up. It had already been upside down because of sin. And they were sharing the gospel people and getting their eyes straightened out, to be honest with you. So Paul and Silas, they were thermostats, you know. They have turned the rest of the world upside down. And the... the uh, Unbelieving Jews who were making this statement didn't like it. And they went on to say, and now they are here disturbing our city, they shouted. <laughs> now, how would you like to, that to be said about you? It's like, you're changing the world. You're turning the world upside down. Or really, you're turning the world back the way it's supposed to be, the way God created it. You're setting it right again. It's like, that'd be pretty good. You're a history maker. You know, you, 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 you're changing things. You're a change maker and all. Um, now, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. 
All scripture is inspired by God and is useful. He says the scriptures. Can I have my Bible? You can. Thank you. She's just laying on it there. You know. <laughs> You can, you can, it will, it will hold your weight. That's for sure. All scriptures is inspired by God and is useful. It's useful. And I'm going to tell you some, this book here, if, if you'll read it, and I can't encourage you enough to read it every day, especially as we start in a new year, read it every day. It's useful. And if you read it, it will make you useful. Are you ready for God to use you? You know, it will make you useful. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Because you read it. Now, some people, they don't want to read it because they don't want to be convicted. Well, I want to do that anyhow. I, want, I, want, I don't want to do that. And the Bible says I should do that. You know, so lots of people don't want to obey it, and so they'll not read it, you know, or, or whatever. They stay away from it, you know. But he goes on to say, It straightens us out and teaches us to do what is right. Don't you like to do what's right? Yeah. Well, nah, I don't want to care doing right. Okay, just go pour water in the gas tank of your car. That ain't right. And I'll guarantee you, you wish you had it done right. After you had to face somebody to drain it all out. You know, and all that kinds of stuff. But the Bible teaches us to do what is right. God's word changes us, don't it? Yes. It produces faith in us. And, and I would challenge you, let God's word straighten us out and teach us, you know, to do the things that honor him and, and his purpose for our lives in 2022. Let's, let's allow him to do that. Verse 17, it's God's way, God's word, his scripture, is God's way of preparing us in every way. Fully equipped. Fully, completely equipped. For every good thing. For every, 100% of the good things in this whole world, God's word will fully equip us, fully equip you for every good thing. God wants us to do. That God wants us to do. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Let us think of ways to motivate. And when it says motivate, let us think of ways to motivate. King James Bible, like the way it says, let us think of ways to provoke. To motivate or to provoke. One another to acts of love and good works. So what can we do to provoke others to acts of love and to do good works? What can we do to motivate them? Probably by us doing acts of love and, and good works for them. And they go, oh, that was such a blessing to me. And inspire other people to do it for other people, you know. But he says, let's think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. Peter and John were bold. And I must tell you, these guys were Thermostats. They were not thermometers. They didn't just become like everybody else around, but they were changing. They were history makers and they were changing things. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men. Ordinary men, but I'm going to tell you something. They was doing some extraordinary things. 
that they were doing some extraordinary things. Although the Bible tells us, Peter and John, they were just ordinary men. They were fishermen. Fishermen. Ordinary people. That's what he's talking about. With no special training in the scriptures. Now, you don't have to have special training in the scriptures. You read it and you share the good news with other people. You don't have to have 30 years of Bible school before you can do what God has called you to do. You know the good news, you know. Uh, there's a lot of bad news you can listen to if you want to. But you read the good news and you can share it with people. That's what he's telling us right here, you know. They could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. That's the key. With God, the ordinary becomes extraordinary. Because you, you hang out with Jesus. And he gives you rhema. He gives you insight to his word. You know, if you don't have to ever have gone to Bible school to share the good news. You read it. You hear it. You take it to heart. You pray and you see God. And he will enable you to change the world in which you live. He'll allow you to do that. Even our culture. He will change our culture if people can hear the good news. And people are hungry. They're desperate for good news. They're desperate for hope because our whole culture is hopeless. They are hopeless. And, and they're frightened. They might be saying otherwise, but so many are frightened because of the things they see going on in our world right now. They genuinely are, but God can change that. And he can use you. To facilitate that change by sharing the good news. Everybody just saturates themselves with bad news all the time. You know, I've done that a few times. And it's like, I'm done with that. I'm going to stick with the good news. I like the good news a whole lot better. Zechariah 4 verse 10 says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Oh, he rejoices to see the work begin, to, to, to do what you, you can. Well, what's in your hand? That's the point. Do what you can. What's in your hand? And what did he tell Moses to do? Take up his rod. He says, Moses, what you got in your hand? Mm -hmm. He said, a rod. He said, throw it down. Mm -hmm. Anyhow, Moses did many miracles with that rod. Open up the Red Sea. Uh, there was all kinds of things that he did with that rod because God told him to was in his hand. What do you have in your hand? Or what did David have in his hand? A sling. A sling. Some rocks. Five smooth stones that he took out a giant. The most awesome, well-trained giant who was a warrior, who was a mean warrior, an ungodly warrior, but David took him out with what was in his hand, a sling. And there's a little boy who had five loaves of bread and two fish. That's, what, that's all he had. But he gave Jesus and Jesus multiplied it and fed 5,000 men plus about 5,000 women and about 5,000 kids. There's about 15,000 people that he fed because what was in that little boy's hand. I, I tell you, the rest of that little boy's life, he understood generosity. He understood that phenomenally, if you think about it. And, uh, hmm, you remember there was a, of, of a battle. Samson, is that his name? He picked up the jawbone of a donkey and he was in a battle. 
and he slew thousands of the enemy. He didn't have a sword. What he had in his hand, he just had to pick up the jawbone of a donkey in, in this fight. He won the battle against thousands of men. Think about that. What's in your hand? What has God put in your hand? What can you do and use it for him and, and do it for him? And there was a widow and she had a little bitty bit of, of meal and she had a little bitty bottle of oil and the prophet told her because she was going to make a little meal for herself and her son and it was going to die because it was in famine time. And the prophet said, it's got to be the hardest thing he ever did. That's what I feel. He said, okay, but make me one first. Oh, he was plump and healthy because he'd been at a, a brook where the ravens were bringing him meat every day and he had water, but she was kind of skin and bones. And he said, that's got to be hard. <laughs> oh, breaks my heart when I think about it. But he was a man of God and he told her something she needed. He said, make me a little cake first and then you make what's left over, you and your son one. And then the Bible tells us her little barrel of meal for three years, it never ran out. And her little bottle of oil, no matter how much they ate or how many guests they had for dinner, it never ran out for three years. That's amazing. And they didn't have much of anything. What's in your hand? Be a partner with God. Give it to God. Become a thermostat. Anybody can be an old thermometer. You just hang around and do nothing. But be a thermostat. Change the world. Be a history maker. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. You know, the, this book right here is absolutely full of people who obeyed God. You, you, you read that Bible, you know, and God made superheroes out of them. And that's what he'll do in your life. You're super to God and you're heroic because you're doing what God's called you to do, you know. Uh, let's look at Hebrews 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Now, you may not have thought of it, but because there's a lot of people in heaven now who can see us and they're cheering us on from the balcony. And the Bible says, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off, what's that word there? Every weight. Uh, that's 100% of the weights that slows us down. Now, you ever seen jockeys riding horses in a race? You know, if they, they're tiny little guys, you know, and they lose certain amounts of weight so they can ride these horses. And if you're in a race, I mean, you, you don't want to be carrying nuts and bolts in your pockets and stuff like that and carrying a great big old lunchbox along with you and stuff like that. You're going to strip off all the weight that you can so you can run. And that's what it says here because there's those who are watching us, you know, in the life of faith that we now have, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. What's slowing you down from obeying God and running the race that God has for you? Is there something that's weighing you down as we launch out into 2022? You're going to be just way behind everybody, you know, and not really getting anything done. It's just like God wants you to be ready and clean so he can use you to do what he created you to do. That's what I'm talking about. Anyhow, the scripture goes on to say, 
Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress. What sin is hindering your progress? Well, I know I kind of get offended. I think it hinders you. It, 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 it hinders you. It slows you down. And that sin might be just a little, little thing, but it's, it's hindering you from making progress. It's hindering you from being the thermostat that God has called you to be, you know? Is there any sin in your life that you've not forsaken? Think about it. A fly in your soup. If you've got a big old fly, bzzz, big little bubbles in your soup, are you going to go, oh, that's a good one? No. I don't think so. So if you don't like a fly in your soup and God don't want the sin that's slowing you down and it's hindering your life, you know, that's what I'm talking about. Have, have you ever ordered a pizza? Got some lots of wonderful, fantastic cheese on it, and you see several hairs stuck in the cheese. Yeah. Are you going to eat that pizza? No. The Bible says, purify yourself, and you'll be ready for the master to use you. No fly in the soup, no hair in the cheese, you know. Or you go and you grab a, a glass, you're so thirsty, you just pour yourself some ice water. And as you get to the bottom of it, you just see this scum of milk stuck to the side. It's been there like for a week or two. It's just hard. No, thank you. Does that bother you? Yes. You won't never use that glass again, you know? So just keep yourself pure. And God will use you. He genuinely will use you. Ordinary, along with God, becomes extraordinary. Is what I'm talking about. And these things he talks about to forsake these sins, strip them off, anger and bitterness and lust and selfishness and gossip and doubt and worry and hate and unforgiveness and untruthfulness as a lie, envy and fornication, adultery, homosexuality and stealing, etc., 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 those things hinder you from being used by God. He says, strip it off. Strip it off. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. God has called every one of us to run a race. Now we may be preoccupied and not running the race that God has called us to run. But he has called us to run a race. He wants you not to dig a hole in the ground and put your talents in a hole. But he wants you to multiply your talents. And he'll say, well done my good and faithful servant. Let us celebrate. So let's bow our heads together. Father God, I ask your blessings from these men and women here. And I ask that you would show them through your word. And as they begin to listen to it, just rock them and shake them with enthusiasm and excitement to where they hear from you. And they get so excited to hear from you and cause faith to rise in their soul and use all of these who are in our sphere of influence right now in this building and those who are watching or listening, use every one. Lord, because we want to be ready that you would use us to accomplish what you created us to do. Yes. And Papa, as we're here, we just want to reaffirm our life to you. Who we are, and as we launch into 2022, we want to be close to you. We know ordinary people who are close to God will do extraordinary things. So bless these men and women. 
or watching online or here in this building. And would you reaffirm your faith with me right now as we close? Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father. Dear Heavenly Father. I do believe that you love me. I do believe that you love me. And I believe you've got a purpose for my life. And I believe you've got a purpose for my life. And I want to discover it. And I want to discover it. I want your will to be done. I want your will to be done. In my life. In my life. I want to be a thermostat. I want to be a thermostat. I want to change the world. I want to change the world. I want to be a history maker. I want to be a history maker. I believe in you, Father. I believe in you, Father. And I believe you sent your son, Jesus. And I believe you sent your son, Jesus. To wash all my sins away. To wash all my sins away. I believe he died in my place. I believe he died in my place. And I believe he rose from the dead. And I believe that he rose from the dead. And he's knocking at the door of my heart. And he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I open wide every area of my life. And I open wide every area of my life. And I welcome Jesus inside. And I welcome Jesus inside. I want to live the rest of my life. I want to live the rest of my life. Very close to Jesus. Very close to Jesus. Your will be done in me. Your will be done in me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.